ONG On Air. The path towards a distributed economy. Good to have you with me. I'm Leah Wong coming to you from Money 2020. What better place to be to learn more about the future of banking at ING? You think you know about banking? I thought I did, but banking offers so many opportunities I never even considered. And some of them are already here. Joining me is Mariana Gomez de la Villa, Program Director, Distributed Ledger Technology at ING. So Mariana, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and what sparked your interest in blockchain? Well, um, I come from uh, Mexico actually. You know, I was uh, born there. And um, I don't know if, if you guys, any of you are engaged or are married, but uh, normally you have a tradition, right? You get a ring uh, if you're going to engage. Right. And then um, there's this uh, thought behind it uh, that whenever, um, as a guy, you buy a ring for a girl, then the ring has to be, for example, uh, three years, uh, three re- sorry, three months of your salary, right? Oh, really? And the reason behind that was as well because uh, if you were a couple and then something was to happen to you as a man, you know, and you could not provide for the family, then the girl will be able to, for example, uh, put that uh, impound that ring uh, and get some liquidity out of it. It's a life insurance. Uh, not a life because then you cannot live from three months of salary, but at least you know it will get you out of trouble in a while. Right. And And um, the idea was um, that actually uh, finding that specific uh, piece of jewelry, right, and then make it liquid when you needed it um, was something that you would have to go, for example, again to the impoundment house or, you know, in, the, in times of war, then you will also exchange it, right, and then you will get value out of it. Um, and I think blockchain has that potential as well. So the, what blockchain does is actually you can tokenize anything that you can think of, right, and make it liquid. And by making it liquid, right, you can have, for example, build asset management. You can have fractional ownership. And that fractional ownership, that's something that's one of the properties that actually is uh, so interesting and has so much potential within blockchain. That was what actually sparked my, uh, my, my interest uh, in this technology, right? Uh, you start seeing, for example, a lot of uh, cases where um, this, you know, new generation actually doesn't have maybe the purchasing power uh, to buy a new house or maybe they, so they don't have the purchasing power to make a huge investment. And what they do is they gather together and by uh, uh, compiling or, or, or gathering, you know, those funds, for example, they can acquire something and then they are partially owners of that specific asset. It democratizes ownership of anything, basically. Exactly. exactly. And uh, And, and I think that, it, you know, it's, it's, it's something that uh, previous generations haven't seen. Um, it will provide a lot of, a lot of liquidity to, to where actually right now the gap is, right? Um, everybody, for example, is starting their own startup, you know, they're starting their own business. They're having a little bit of money and then they can invest that money in different places. And then uh, later on, they can maybe sell those uh, uh, ownerships and they can uh, invest in others and so on and so on. So that actually, uh, uh, you know, distributed type of investment and distributed uh, economy will start to rise and, uh, and I want to be part of it. A real empowerment story is what it is to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then how do you put that into practice here at ING? Well, uh, I, the technology has been uh, around only for like 10 years, more or less. Um, uh, so I think first, uh, when, when, when ING started to look into that, it was more or less five years ago. Uh, we started to look into uh, whether this technology actually had the potential to do something 
uh, for our clients and for ourselves, right? Uh, if it had the potential, for example, to maybe improve some operational efficiencies that we uh, may want to drive uh, or, or achieve, uh, if we would improve, for example, the way we can provide services to our customers. And we found out that, indeed, uh, it had that potential. Uh, we found that out by doing uh, proof of concepts uh, in different business lines. For example, we started in the area of uh, payments, in uh, you know, uh, lending, in uh, bank treasury, in, in different parts of the bank. We started a trial and error. Uh, and then, uh, more or less in 2016, we end up with over 30 proof of concepts. By 2017, we thought, okay, you know, we already have a good understanding of it, right? Uh, we know what it can, can, can do, uh, but it also has challenges. And we need to uh, uh, help that technology evolve. We need to evolve with it, and we need to master it in order to be able to, to strive for the right use case within the bank where we can have the most impact, right? Right, so that first phase was very experimental then. Yes. And now you're at the point where you might be able to focus that technology. Exactly, exactly. And uh, and we did so, for example, in 2017, we had uh, uh, yeah, quite a, a few uh, proof of concepts, and then we had a, a few pilots. So we narrowed down, right, uh, that, that search for, uh, for, for where it would uh, give us the most value as ING. And um, uh, by 2018, more or less, we had over over eight uh, proof pilots, sorry, uh, that that we launched, uh, and now we are deploying that technology within the the, the bank, and uh, and we're finding obviously uh, uh, those gains, uh, right, to, to be reflected with a more factual, um, um, yeah, uh, value uh, to to improve the services that we provide to our clients. So tell me a little bit more about that funnel of all those experiments going in and those eight pilots let's say you're trying to scale coming out, how do you make the selection for where to apply this technology? Uh, the selection is a, is a couple of, of, of different parts. We have actually, for example, uh, what we call, um, um, well, not only the funnel, but we have a, a matrix, right? And the matrix is uh, pretty much whether the technology can really help you move forward or whether it will hinder you. Because not everything should be on the blockchain, exactly. right? It, it can also have uh, drawbacks uh, uh, in a specific use cases. So you need to be really careful on selecting those. Uh, and it needs also to contribute to our strategy. So then we make an assessment in between the amount of benefits that you expect to, to, to get out of it. Uh, we, we also qualify, for example, in um, how many people need to have a say or need to, for example, arrive to that uh, conciliation or that consensus of something actually happening, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is uh, uh, one of the, of the points from uh, distributed layer technology. And then uh, if you find that enough people uh, needs to have that consensus and that it's people that needs, for example, an inherent trust mm -hmm. in that way of arriving to that consensus, then it might be a good case for distributed ledger. And uh, so we evaluate that against the benefits and against uh, how it fits within the strategy of ING, and then we prioritize those cases, right? Uh, but it's always uh, the most important part is, uh, for example, to look for that sponsorship within the bank, so someone from the business line that also uh, sees the benefits and sees the value, and they most want it, right, in order to be properly adopted later on within the organization and to make it uh, uh, thrive. Right, and, and how do you cultivate that? need for this innovation when, as you say, the technology is 10 years old. At ING, it's maybe five or six years old. Um, 
well, visionaries. <laughs> like <laughs> no, you. Yeah, no, uh, to be honest, it's, it's my, I think my role is, is, is easier, right? It's, it's uh, the people that is uh, in the front lines, the people that is doing this on a day-to-day -day basis. They have the subject matter expertise to be able to spot those opportunities, to be able to spot, for example, where in, in a specific process there are frictions still that can be solved uh, with this technology, right? But they need a basic understanding of the technology to understand that the friction they're seeing can be sold with this technology, right? Indeed. Yeah. So how do you translate that all the way to the front line? Um, I think, uh, yeah, it's a lot of communication. Uh, we have a set, for example, of people that uh, obviously has these conversations uh, and that helps the business lines as well to spot whether the technology is a fit or not. We also have what we call a blockchain university. Uh, that means that uh, we have a, a, a part of the team, you know, it's uh, on a monthly basis providing, for example, this knowledge uh, and, and, and how it may impact their day-to-day, -day, where the technology has actually potential, what we have done with it and what we are still thinking of doing with it. Um, and I think that's a really uh, important part because then people start understanding, you know, where it might help them uh, and how it might help as well uh, and where are we moving as, 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 as a bank. So, and then there's a spark. Hopefully, yeah. And that, that's the aim, right, of having that, that, uh, that uh, university. Uh, the aim is indeed that they understand a little bit more, uh, that they, that they uh, can translate it into the day-to-day -day and that they can spot these efficiencies that we're looking for. So were there use cases that came out of the front line or out of this, these training sessions that really surprised you that you maybe didn't expect or couldn't have spotted yourself? Uh, yeah, a lot of them. For example, um, we are really well known uh, in the commodities uh, sector, uh, and actually one of those cases came from 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 one innovation bootcamp. So I think you are going to be uh, recording another podcast later on with our colleague Benoit Legrand. Um, so part of our innovation, indeed, uh, is is ideas that employees may have, right? And there was one team actually that was sitting in uh, Switzerland, and then um, they thought, okay, you know, maybe if we tokenize for example, a letter of credit, and we make it in a digital way, and we actually, you know, put this process in distributed ledger uh, by the means of a smart contract, which is, you know, a self-executed uh, contract, then it will improve a lot the commodities uh, uh, sector, right? Uh, and that was one of our first pilots uh, that we did back in 2017. Um, so, yeah, this innovation comes a lot from employees as well, right? And, and this innovation bootcamp is, is kind of like a, a way where we gather all those uh, maybe improvements that we should have as a bank uh, uh, towards our, our customers and towards ourselves. Right, and I can imagine it helps you and your team also to see the patterns of where typically, you know, what typically is a good use case for, for blockchain. Yeah, it does, it does. Uh, but as well, to be honest, it's really hard because a lot of these people is really bankers, right? Core bankers. And they have been in, in, in I don't know how many years working in a specific area. So then they have a really good uh, understanding of that specific uh, uh, yeah, use case or subject matter expertise. And then uh, when we come in and try to help, then they have to go all the way down to the basics so then we can understand actually, you know, their language because sometimes they use their own jargon. Um, and, and, and one hour you can be talking, for example, with someone from lending and then the next hour you can be talking to someone from financial markets. Right. And then how do you make that bridge, right? So it's, it's really important indeed uh, uh, to have really good communication uh, sense and, and for that person to be open uh, to maybe 
you know, questions that might be basic, but maybe sometimes in those questions you might discover uh, where there's potential. And the other way around, for us to be open to understand what are their pain points, so then maybe we can help them do something about it. And, and maybe this technology can help them solve. Right. And, and also be hard and sometimes say, you know, I'm sorry, but, but this technology is not suitable for this case. You know, it's not suitable because of A, B or C. And then uh, you just, yeah, uh, simply try to guide them through maybe a, a different technology or maybe a combination of those. For example, maybe a combination of blockchain with Internet of Things, maybe a combination of blockchain with um, uh, advanced analytics, right, or machine learning or quantum, uh, it, it, it may be, you know. And and this open, it, I keep hearing it inside of ING, but also outside of ING, right? And maybe that comes back to the point that you mentioned earlier, how it's important to mature also with the technology and to have an influence on how the technology matures. Um, what's ING doing in that area? Um, well, uh, from one of the cases, the one I was mentioning about actually that we uh, deployed in 2017, we did it on an uh, Ethereum network. Uh, and Ethereum is amazing. It's one of the first uh, actually blockchains that, that, that could enable you know, smart contracts, what I, what I explained before. Uh, but what it was lacking of was privacy and confidentiality. So if you were to, for example, uh, put a transaction and then the different computers were to verify that the transaction was valid, everybody would have a look at the transaction. So we thought, okay, in the financial institutions, uh, well, we need to ensure that that doesn't happen, right? Uh, we need to, to have a sense of, of privacy because we don't want, obviously, information to be actually um, uh, uh, shared with, uh, with the rest of the ecosystem. Um, so what we did was uh, we were looking into different uh, cryptographic primitives in order to uh, be able to ensure that uh, these validations were done in a private way. And we came across uh, these so-called zero-knowledge proofs. Now, zero-knowledge proofs uh, is, uh, for example, I can share with you um, that I have, I can tell you, you know, that I have a secret, but I, without disclosing actually what the secret is. Right. So, for example, if we are going uh, to a club and then you tell me, okay, uh, so Marianne, I don't know if you're allowed to get in, I can tell you, believe me, I have 18 years old, I'm, eight, I'm 18, so I'm allowed to get in, but I don't have to show you, for example, what my birth of date is, or I, can, I don't have to tell you as well that I'm, you know, what age. Yes. You just need to know that I'm above 18 to be able just to Just the necessary access. information. Exactly. And it's, it's it could be also on a yes or no basis, or it could be also on, yes, you're allowed to do this, right? Because the system still needs something to validate on. Um, yeah, exactly. So you, that, you, call it, you call that verification. You verify that indeed you have, you know, you are allowed to have access to this specific service. So what we did was uh, we um, actually got these zero knowledge proofs, we uh, code them, and then we made a specific contract that people could actually use in the Ethereum network, and we um, uh, open source it. So then anybody that could uh, or wanted to use these zero knowledge proofs within their solution could actually download this from GitHub, right, be part of our project and also contribute to it. So what's the, the strategy or the thinking behind this by making this open source? Um, it's, I think, twofold. Uh, first of all, you know, we don't know it all. Uh, and that's, I think, uh, uh, that thinking, uh, we have it uh, embedded in our, in our DNA. You know, we are better if we are together. 
uh, and that's something that, that that it's really in our culture, right? Um, and and the fact that uh, yeah, uh, giving this open source, then that that gives way to other people actually being able to contribute as well and tell you, okay, I think what you are doing is is awesome, but what if you were try, you were to try A, or what if you were to include B, or what if you were, and then they start thinking with you. Right, and then you start growing in not only in the learnings, but maybe your your solution becomes way better, uh, and, and and maybe as well, for example, you come up to a, a different type of solution on a later stage, depending on how it evolves. Uh, but that openness also gives you know a lot back because then again, the great minds think with you, and then make improvements to your own uh, uh, piece of code. For everyone example. learns from each other. Exactly, exactly. But everybody has to be open as well for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not only that you put it there and that's it. Uh, they also need to uh, to uh, to think about it and, and, and contribute. And what does that environment look like? These bright minds that you're you're talking about are they individuals? Are they companies? Are they big tech? What what is that ecosystem like? It it, it is all of those. <laughs> Um, I think I think this new generation, you know, of of, of uh, all these youth, uh, is actually quite used to that. You know, is 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 used to contributing, is used to thinking along with. Uh, they are not open. Uh, they're, sorry, they are not afraid to, to being open. Uh, they see that what you can bring actually is is more important than what you know. Knowledge can always be acquired, but the values, you know, and striving towards the same purpose mm -hmm. is is the most important. Uh, and 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 then these individuals are also part of companies. So those companies may also want to collaborate with you if they think that you share the same values. And uh, and, and the whole ecosystem then, uh, actually in this distributed ledger world, is quite open. So you will see people, uh, it's really funny because normally in the past, you know, banking was a little bit more like exactly where, where competitors, you know. It was and, very and close. Exactly. And there was lots of risk management and all that. And, and there's still risk management, obviously, right? And there's still rules that we have to comply with. But, but the openness of what you learn, if I share what my learnings have been and you share yours, we can advance further and faster together than if I keep my own learnings and my failures to myself and I don't share them with you. Do you see that also in the banking ecosystem, like the banking part of it? I do, I do. I think with this open banking uh, uh, type of, for example, uh, 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 wave that is coming, together with, again, you know, machine learning, together with all these new technologies, I think most of them are indeed in open source way, in a, in a more open uh, uh, and candid uh, approach, you know. They are, we're striving for collaboration, and I think it's not only, uh, yeah, as a silo for distributed ledger. Obviously, distributed ledger is a team sport, so either you play it together or, or you don't arrive anywhere. Right. Um, And, and a lot of people need to still understand that, right? Um, but 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 yeah, you see that in general, uh, banking is going towards that way, you know. And what's interesting to me is also what you said about how it doesn't matter as much. The technology part doesn't matter as much for collaboration, but it matters that you have the same values. Yeah. Can you talk more about that? How did you know this? That that's so important in this field. Well, when you start uh, thinking of synergies that you may have with specific companies, uh, you have to also be clear in the purpose, right? And, and if you have a, a clear purpose on why are you doing what you are doing, and, and you come across or you seek 
for those partnerships with people that share the same purpose, then you are you have a bigger chance of success than with someone that is trying to do something that is not aligned to your own purpose, right? Uh, because then then you have conflict interests. Then you don't you don't balance those. Then they have different priorities because they have a different agenda than you do. Right. So I think the most important is that is is, is sharing the same values and trying to either you're going to improve something or either you're going to come up with a different type of uh, uh, service, for example, and having uh, an aligned purpose that will make the success for that specific, specific, sorry, minimum viable ecosystem or minimum viable network, if it may be. Do you have an example of an instance, for instance, where those values were completely aligned and you really got unexpected synergies? Uh, where we're completely aligned, yes. Uh, we have, for example, we, we, we have done that uh, several times. Uh, we have done that, for example, with the uh, trade commodity, as I mentioned. Uh, we spin off uh, Congo. Uh, we have, for example, as well, one of the, of the founders of uh, HKLAX, which is a high-quality liquid asset exchange. Um, and, and that was also a first in the ecosystem because uh, we found in the past that... Um, a lot of the times you wouldn't have uh, the buy-in or actually whenever you would do a smart contract, the smart contract was not actually uh, legally enforceable, right? Uh, if you would go to a court of law, then the, the judge might say, you know, okay, Mariana, really cool that you had a smart contract and that, that it was, uh, you know, coded, but I cannot read the code. And, <laughs> I don't and, understand Exactly. This. And this is not valid in my court, right? So uh, go and sort it out in a different way. Uh, and what HKLAX actually did was, you know, they um, included, for example, custodians into, the, into that specific uh, minimum viable ecosystem. They included, for example, uh, different parties, and then they made the first uh, legally enforceable transaction in the whole ecosystem back in 2018. So it was a huge leap, you know, that where, where, where you couldn't have that into now it's possible, and how it was made possible was a huge learning for the rest. Uh, and, and that's, for example, sharing the purpose, right? Uh, that specific uh, aim, that specific vision, yeah. uh, and, and, and everybody making their own part, educating the rest of the ecosystem, you know, having exactly the same attitudes towards innovation, and, and, and it can be incremental and it can be leapfrog, but, but, but that specific part of, of, of the understanding and towards what we are uh, working together, yeah. it, it was uh, what was uh, really uh, vital to have. So they built upon your technology to bring this contract into the real regulated world, and now they're sharing that technology or that methodology with everyone? Uh, well, but, but it was not our technology. It's a technology that we chose uh, actually uh, for this uh, case was uh, one from R3. It, it was on Corda. But I think that technology indeed is not, is not really... Um, it is important because different technologies may have different... Uh, uh, you know, important features that you may need depending on the asset class. But what is more important is who you work with, who right. do you choose to partner with. Right. And thinking about these rules and regulations, that's a very tight system, especially for banks. Um, to what extent does that sort of accelerate your technology because you have to versus slow you down because it's just so hard? I think uh, we're also living in a different area right now, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky to see that change. Uh, I, I think um, 
central banks, for example, uh, and regulators are way more open to innovation. And we have a constant and really open dialogue. Uh, for example, there are as well a lot of other mechanisms like the World Economic Forum, like, for example, uh, different consortia is making, uh, or they are making different groups uh, that include those regulators to be part of this innovation together, right? We cannot expect them to uh, rule out a directive if they don't understand it. And they're also doing their part. You, you see them, for example, really well educated. They are also doing a lot of proof of concepts themselves, trying to understand this technology. And it's this constant and open dialogue that we have, again, going back to the open ecosystem, right? Yeah. And going um, back to sharing the same values and the same purpose, because exactly. all of you want to make things accessible for more people. Exactly, exactly. So I think, uh, I think yeah, we're going down the right path. Uh, and, and, and my experience has been that, that it's not, you know, that they don't want you to innovate or it's not that they want to hinder you uh, from, from making progress. It's just they have another purpose. And the purpose is we, they have to be sure that whatever we deploy is, you know, aligned not only with regulation. Regulation exists also because of a reason, because we have to protect the rest of the society, because we have to protect the rest of the, of the economic structure and, 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 and the rest of the ecosystem. Uh, so following that purpose, actually, and following that, uh, uh, the same values together with the regulators, then is the only way that we can all of us learn and be able to, uh, to make the changes to the rules that we require. Or maybe even, you know, we propose specific changes, we test it in a, in a hub or in a, in a sandbox, and then we see it fail. And then we decide together that it was probably not the, rain, the same reason, right? right? But that fail, allow to fail culture as well, I think it's, it's quite important. Uh, um, yeah. And you see that in your governance as well, the agile governance almost. Yes, yes. In ING, that's uh, super embedded. <laughs> you are allowed to fail. Uh, and it's a scary. It's a scary, but uh, but but it, it also helps, you know. And, and you only grow uh, if 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 you really take those learnings and you really have the time to think about why why that happened, right? Uh, so you can make it better the next time. Um, but you also see it again in central banks, for example, like the fact that some of them are are really willing to to enable these sandboxes, so fintechs and, and, and other parts of the ecosystem can join together and, and strive to deploy this innovation, at least in a small scale, while they see what is safe and, and what they have to change in order to make it in a bigger scale, then that's really important, uh, uh, yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, so even working together with regulators, it's okay not to be right the first time because that's the only way you learn. Yeah, yeah. So what are what is maybe like one learning that really stuck with you from a time you failed over the past year? Um, I think I was still, well, I come from payments and uh, I was uh, doing payments probably for 17 years before I started into, into blockchain, right? And then I was working uh, uh, together with, uh, with other banks, well, not, not I, we as a team were working together with other banks on a payments use case. And uh, we were still into this kind of competition mode, right? Like, oh my God, we have to be the first. Um, and we were running, we were running really hard in order to be the first. And at a certain point, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite passionate. I'm, uh, again, uh, you know, I'm Latino, so then <laughs> I have a really strong voice and I'm not afraid to say whatever I have to say, right? So then there was this collaboration group actually working on the same case and I was always um, saying, you know, what, I, what my thoughts were. And then I got a call from, uh, from, from the organizer, the chair of that, of that specific uh, group, and they told me, you know, Mariana, please don't join the next call. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you know, like sometimes when you actually join, then the other people do not speak. 
So we have to hear everybody right. because we need to have that consensus, right. you know? And, and you are rightfully so, but sometimes so loud that the rest of the people is not even saying what they want to say because they think like, okay, what she's saying is probably fine. She's I'm so going confident. With it. Exactly, I'll, I'll exactly. Her, yeah. So then I thought, okay, I was kind of annoyed. It was a huge learning for me, right? Like, okay, sometimes you have to also listen, and that's one of the values of ING, you listen. <laughs> so uh, I had to learn how to listen, and, um, and then I started observing more. Uh, but again, I was in this competition type of mode, right? And then uh, at a certain point, I thought, like, you know, yeah, I want to be the first doing this payment transaction in this specific blockchain. So, you know, I, I told the group, who is the next one going, doing it with me, right? I need another party on the other side. And then when I realized, you know, uh, we had only one other bank that wanted to do this with us, but the rest of the group has fallen back. And that was because I was so fast that I didn't take care of the rest. You didn't bring them with you. Exactly, exactly. So I lost them. And, and that, was, that was a huge learning. So I had to go back, obviously, and try to regain uh, not only the trust, but as well, obviously, making sure, you know, that I was also listening to what they were going through. And, and again, sharing those learnings uh, to make sure that everybody was leveraging from what I was going. Uh, and then we changed totally the way uh, we did things. For example, we started having a, a lot of webinars with the, the, the peers. And then we found, for example, in one specific webinar that we did on an assessment, we had over 50 institutions joining. So then that was a huge change, you know. Mm. This, this is a, a nicer approach. This is a more, okay, you may lead or, or you may uh, have something to say, but you can say it and everybody can learn from it or you can say it only for your own and then have fun, goodbye, and then see you in the finish line, right? Yeah. Which is a, a, a silo uh, and, 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 yeah, more like a single approach. And, and that's not, yeah, that's not what we're aiming, we're aiming for. So that was a huge learning. It made not you only, more open. Exactly. Exactly. Not only on the personal side, but also I think uh, uh, that that's right with the ING values, actually. So uh, it was it was a, a totally different way of working. <laughs> so looking ahead, um, what are some of the things, some maybe real use cases that you're really excited about that are coming into reach? Um, I think this, this fractional ownership, for example, gives way, again, to, to a lot of uh, tokenization of different assets. And um, when you tokenize them, uh, you can actually offer, for example, asset management around them because you can start trading them, right? And when you start trading them, you can start investing in them. And again, you need to offer specific services around them. Um, and then that will give way, for example, to what we uh, starting to call a distributed economy, right? So, for instance, I'm 31. I haven't thought about my pension or any kind of investments or anything. In this future, what could that look like? for me uh, you could invest partially for example on a on a uh, yeah on a house or an apartment and then uh, if you invest on that for example with five other people maybe you rent it out to someone and then you can get the fraction of that rent that you are paying or that you are actually getting for it, sorry from the from the person that is renting it out from you you can invest on a piece of art you don't have to invest on the whole uh, Van Gogh, right? But you can invest only on a piece of it. Uh, whatever you are afford, you're able to afford. Hmm. You can invest on a, on a piece of a stock. You can invest on in so many things right now, you know, that, that, that they are possible, uh, depending on obviously the, 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 yeah, the investment value or the purchasing power that you may have. So you don't need to wait uh, or to strive to have a full thing only as well with a, with a starting with little, then you can, uh, you can already make a, a good run. 
So how far out are we until I can buy a piece of my own Van Gogh? <laughs> that was already done, actually. It was not done by <laughs> us, but uh, but yeah, that was already done like probably like two years ago. In, Time to uh, switch banks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, you can do the same again uh, with uh, with mortgages. You can do as uh, yeah with with a lot of uh, different different things. But there are already a lot of uh, different. Uh, solutions that are out there uh, live in production so you can already invest all right thank you so much to you thank you for listening to this podcast check out all the episodes in the series via ing.com or bnr.nl money 2020